Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 and welcome to Drive Through HR, the Internet's longest running, I believe, um, Internet Radio HR Talk Show. That is quite a mouthful. I am your co-host, Crystal Miller, and it is our Friday host show, so I'm here with the fabulous, one-of-a-kind, Robin Schooling. Robin, you can probably introduce yourself better than I can. Oh, well, you know what? I'll take that. That sounds wonderful. Um, Crystal, this is, like, so fabulous. I love that we are we are um, starting a, uh, a little more of a scheduled host show. We've done these many times in the past, but... Um, I'm really looking forward to today because I think this is going to be a, a good discussion, gives us a chance to kind of talk about uh, the week in review, as we've called it, um, but, you know, kind of hot, hot HR topics that have consumed our mind, I guess, over the last week. So it'd be good. Yeah, I think so. I mean, so I think it's um, fair to kind of let callers know, you know, callers, listeners, not callers, sorry, it's Friday, um, no. <laughs> know some of the changes. So yeah, to your point, we will be doing these um, more frequently on Fridays. I'm just kind of looking at what we talked about in the week. And this week, it was pretty heavy on base camp, but also things that are on our mind. Because I think, you know, we talk a little bit behind the scenes because we all like each other. And that's actually part of the reason that we do this is we all like each other. And so we wanted the ability to talk with each other a little bit more about things that we and hopefully you as our audience care about. So I will say, you know, to the broader HR, um, drive-through HR audience, if there's topics you'd like us to hit on um, that we haven't covered in our shows, send us a note on Facebook, drop us a line, let us know, uh, tweet it out, and we can we can take a look at in- incorporating those as well. Anything you want to add, Robin? Yep. Nope. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> we love to see that. Awesome. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's how we, it's how we learn, it's how we grow. And it's also, I mean, you guys may have really interesting things that if we were like, oh, we knew that was a thing or it gets brought to our attention, we'd want to talk about it as well. We do have two other hosts that may make an appearance. Um, if you've not listened to us before, Drive to HR is made of four hosts, um, myself, Robin, Michael, Vandervoort, and Dwayne Lay, who is incidentally my husband, but that's not why he's a host. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, no, in no particular order. Um, I think Dwayne's a little under the weather today, so I don't know that we'll see him, but we might hear from, from Mike. Um, any given week, guys, you know, who knows who's going to show up on the host shows. It might be all of us. It might be some of us. Today it's Robin and I. So, Robin, what you got going this week? What, what's your week in the rearview look like? Oh, man. You know, um, I'm looking forward to diving into a little more depth on, on the, the previous base camp convos because I just think – that has been so fascinating to watch. Um, but, um, you know, top of mind today um, has really been the fact that the April jobs report came out. Uh, and, you know, of course, it's, uh, you know, end of May and it's, or well, halfway through May, it's the middle of the end of April jobs report. But, um, you know, didn't do as well as anticipated. Uh, jobs only grew by 266,000 and the projection was for about a million 
jobs. Um, so tied that together with, uh, you know, the unemployment rate also rose into six, just over 6%, and they had projected it would, it would go to 5.8%. Um, you know, so, so really kind of interesting to look at that and, you know, locally, uh, across our states, our regions, across the country. Um, and I just find it so interesting because, you know, the, there, we know the jobs are out there. We see our, we see our recruiter friends uh, and our HR friends, um, you know, scrambling um, to fill jobs across across all spectrums, um, and we know that people aren't working. You know, so the, the the jobs are there, the people are there. It's connecting the two together, and I, I guess the thing yep. that has popped in my mind with it is I just I've just continued to be very aggrieved, for want of a better word, at um, at, at the conversations or the discussions I see taking place every day um, amongst. Um, HR leaders, uh, recruiters, whatever, um, that I think are just very demeaning. You know, oh, people are lazy or um, it's socialism and, you know, we're paying people to stay home. And I just hate how we are politicizing this moment, this kind of employment moment. We're politicizing it like we've politicized masks and vaccines and everything else. And it's... um, it's going to be with us yeah. for a while, and and how do we get out of it? You know. Yeah, well, I think so. So you raise a lot of good points. Like I'm listening to this going, yep, yep, okay, I I, I hear you. I, I think if we want to start with, can we start with the jobs report itself? Because I think there's um a couple of interesting things with that I'd like to dive into with you if you're if you're good with it. Yep. Okay. So I looked at that this morning, too. I need to get a little more in-depth with it. There's never enough time to deep dive into everything all at once. <laughs> uh, but, but I did notice the contraction that came out, right? So it was a weaker job support that was, was expected. Um, we know that that's going to get played up in the media as being this massive crisis. It usually is. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but I think there's more to that. So, yeah, there was an estimation that there was a million jobs, but they only saw 226,000. And, and there's some things that, are, that don't get taken into account into those numbers. And one of them is the way that recruitment posts jobs, right? So um, and depending on how the model of recruiting is set up within an organization, one job, one posted job may actually be 20, 30, 40 different roles, right? right? So. Yep. Yep. You know, that those numbers are deceptive in and of themselves, and we do have to keep that in mind. Almost all of my clients um, do use one rec for multiple roles within a location, which translates into one post on Indeed, which makes sense because why on earth would you post 15 retail store associates right. for the same location? You wouldn't. It's not. Right. right? It cannibalizes your, your budget. So. So, so I think we need to be mindful of the fact that that two hundred twenty-six thousand um, dollars, or not dollars, sorry, jobs is probably most likely underrepresented um, by multiple times, right? So that's probably yeah. part of it. But I think there's another part. Um, and then tell me what you think of this theory, because it was legit, just be spitballing a theory here. But if we have 226,000 jobs across the United States that are posted. And we know that our applicant drop has been roughly, depending on the industry, somewhere between 12 and 40-ish percent, right? Then mm-hmm. 
why would we pay to advertise more jobs when we can't fill the jobs that we have? Right. So, you know, part of me thinks like the there's a short-term, long-term game happening here, but if we know that the talent shortage is already impacting our ability to fill open roles, then we need to focus on what are the critical roles that we need to fill, right? Because we need to fill the talent that's available in the critical roles. And then the expansion roles that some of the economists and, and you know, big thinkers of the United States yep, expected yep. to come back, like those get pushed aside until those critical needs are filled. And so I, I do think there's a little bit of that. And I, I believe, um, you know, Josh Burson put something out today through his academy that there's a long view to this. Um, yeah. And and I I think that's part of it. I don't know. That's just a spitball. What do you think? Yeah. No. I, you know. I think. And we've seen this many many times before. It's just it's very front of mind with us right now in terms of the, um, you know how much to hang your hat on the on the jobs report. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. I think one of the underlying issues always with that report is it's a challenge to forecast. Um, you know these reports that are that are this this high frequency. You know, and um, is a month a month to month report the best way to look at that data? Does it need to be some sort of you know a rolling? You know, putting that data out there in a different way. But of, but of course, the stock market looks at it, and you know everybody gets all worked up when that when that report hits, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, yeah, so I, I think it was a little more yeah. understanding. In. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it's 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 all how, and again, people that are, um, you know, to your point, people that are doing the hiring or managing the hiring or managing the data that feeds into that report, um, you know, everybody's kind of doing it a different way. Yeah, like you said, you know, to your point, I might have these evergreen recs that, uh, you know, I have two hundred openings, but I've got it you know, post over here once and, you know, there's so many factors that, that go into it. Um, you know, I do, uh, you know, I do think out in the, uh, and I think we're in for this throughout the summer um, in terms of what does this report mean? When are people getting back to work? Who's hiring? Whatever. Um, it's certainly a challenge here. Just, just yesterday, um, the, uh, in New Orleans, there was a job fair for the restaurant and hospitality industry that a that a that a group had put together. I think there were 75 thereabouts employers. You know, it was a typical old school job fair, right? Um, mm-hmm. 75 or so restaurants, bars, hotels, etc. Um, had set up. It looked like they had decent traffic of people going in there. But then reading the article about it this morning, um, it was people who had previously worked in industry who have been, um, you know, were laid off for here now for about a year. Um, and they are exploring their options. So, you know, it's really very different. They're in there looking at, um, you know, there were a couple of people that they interviewed this, that, uh, that were in the article I read this morning um, who walked out of that job fair with, you know, 10 offers from 10 different Restaurants. Um, yeah, so it's they're a weighing. much different game. Yeah, it's a much yeah. different game. And employers, there, there are still so many employers who, who and I'm going to come at this from an EV perspective for a minute, um, from an employer band perspective, 
you know, there are times, just like in real estate or anything else, where um, yep. it's clear that it's an employer's market. That is not yep. where we are. And, and unfortunately, so many employers still approach it like, what can you do for me as opposed to what can we do for you? And from a talent mm-hmm. attraction perspective, that is not where we are, folks. It's just not. Mm-hmm. You can't. I mean, you can, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get what you want out of it. Even when you get people, they'll leave you for the next thing, right? That's not how you build mm-hmm. equitable relationships. The problem is work in and of itself is not an equitable endeavor, right? And so I think when we look at, if you want to, to step all of this back, um, you know, when I go to solve a problem, I look at root, root problems, right? So what, yeah. what's causing these issues? And, and part of what's causing these issues is that employment for the last, you know, 60 years now has been steadily changing, right? The way work works has changed. We, we no longer become this one thing, right? Um, like once upon a time you were a shoemaker and you made shoes till the day you died, right? Or whatever it is, right? But that's not work anymore. And it hasn't been for a while, but, but even so we've been taught and trained and ingrained for so long that our employers care for us and take care of us and they don't. And the pandemic highlighted that once again, because yeah. For many, many companies, and I'm not even blaming them, you know, like if you can't financially operate, you have to shut down, you have to shut down, but it is a reminder to the employee that you're not my safe place, right? You're my paycheck, and you just took my paycheck away. So everything like this heightens an understanding and awareness of we, you know, work is fundamentally a transactional thing. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I look at things like today that one in four workers are considering quitting their job after the pandemic. Yeah, mm-hmm. that doesn't surprise me when things like, just things like this erode loyalty. So not to, um, not to be completely uh, rant-tastic, which I feel like I'm kind of doing, but <laughs> the, the, when, I, when I look at all of that, I go, okay, well, the, fundamentally, when we look at how to fix it, we have to look at the, the imbalance in the way that we talk to people from go. So as an employer, if you're still running around posting stuff about who you are and what you need and you will have, like you are missing crucial psychological understanding of the people that you are trying to hire. Yep. Like an understanding of the psychology of the people that you're trying to hire. Like psychologically, they want to hear about what you can do for them. Like who you are, yes. What am I going to do? Yes. What can you do for me and what do yep. I need to possess to be able to get what you can do for me? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah, still functionally explaining skills, but it's putting it in a completely different conversational frame. And we have to start there. We have to recognize that companies only work when there are people to work for them. Yeah. And I think we've seen that, um, that broken um, again, over the last several weeks, as this has really taken on this heightened, uh, you know, it's like a mean tastic almost really, but all these signs of stores and restaurants and, you know, Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's and, you know, whatever, posting, um, you know, uh, come work for us, we've got your stimulus checks, you know, stuff like that. And it's just, it's getting, yes, it's making it 
very clear what the transaction is, which is basically come in, do some labor, walk out with a check, and that's basically all you're going to get. Well, and, so. and depending on the role, I will say, depending on the role, uh, first of all, I hate that message. Like, I, I think, and that kind of segues into Dave's camp in a minute, but, but I think yep. if you're going to talk politics in your job ad, you better understand that, like, there are no holds on what gets discussed once they come into your office or your work site, yeah. or your restaurant, yeah. right? Like, what you tell them up front in the recruitment phase sets the tone for what they understand is allowed as, as an employee. You know, an employee. Yep. So, um, so I would stay very far away from things like we've got your stimulus check, holy cow. But yeah. that being said, like, there are, there are jobs where really they just need you to come in and do some labor, and they're going to give you a check. And then – there are workers that are looking for that kind of job. I truly or believe. that work. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I yep. truly believe that there is there is a person for almost every job and a, a type of job for almost every person. We just have to be yep. okay with it. I'm really frustrated with the amount of conversation that I'm hearing about, like, well, we're not getting good candidates. Well, tell me, what does a good candidate look mm. like? Well, a good mm-hmm. candidate looks like someone who's not laid off. Are you freaking kidding me? Where have you been right. for the last year? <laughs> like, <laughs> You can't shut down, like, there is too much of the workforce that has been impacted by layoffs and furloughs and and just Mm -hmm. complete shutdowns to look at someone's resume right now and say anything that's happened in the last, I guess, now 15-ish months um, couldn't be related to the pandemic. Now, somebody who's been uh, unemployed for two years, Maybe, but even with those people, I would say look at it prior to the last time they were employed. Were they stable? Did they have yeah. a stable work history? You know, can they show you progression within a company? Then get over what you knew recruiters, the layoffs don't matter right now. And I would say the same yep. things to hiring managers. It just, this isn't the time. If you're telling yeah. me that you can't operate your restaurant or your line or your store, Unless you get people in the door, then you've got to do a different level of assessment than just when was the last time they were employed. Yep. 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 Amen. Okay, I'm done. Amen. And that is a really good, um, that, you know, that is a really good segue to, uh, to, the, to the bits and pieces of, of the base camp uh, conversation because we're about, uh, we're just over the halfway mark of the show already, our, our, our week in the rear view here. Um, so you had the opportunity on drive through this week. You actually had two conversations and could have probably had a third um, <laughs> with our guest, Jen Tharp, about, um, about base camp. Um, so yeah. I guess maybe give, give our listeners kind of the high level of, you know, kind of the key things you talked about, and, and let's see where we go from there. Oh, I love that you think my memory is that good. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate that. No, so generally kind of went all over the place. We talked a lot about communication and, and really how you communicate things to employees. And, you know, obviously I think everyone agreed, everyone, Jen and I agreed, <laughs> that it was not a good idea, that it was not approached correctly. Um, we did talk a little bit about from an HR perspective, you know, how you approach these kind of things. And if you were in this position, how might you approach it differently? So, so yeah. that kind of sets the scene for that. What we didn't, and we touched on, something that I actually got some messages back about, which is rare for me. 
well, it's rare because I've been off drive through for a while. But, <laughs> but, but, um, but even before then, like when I was doing shows regularly, I didn't often get a lot of feedback about specific things I said, right? Just, you know, yeah. that topic was fun or whatever. But I did with, with something on this week, and so I wanted to address it. And, and part of what I got in those messages was like a question around um, this phrase that I used, which was workplace dignity. And mm. so um, one of the reasons that the base camp issue was such a hot button for me and I wanted to discuss it was because I look a lot at, in, in the context of my job, um, employer brand, a lot of what we do is, is psychologically driven. So behavioral psychology, um, psychological mm-hmm. motivators, why people do and act the way that they do. And so really what that boils down to is we spend so much of our time at work, true, and I say this a lot, like we spend more hours working in a given day than do anything else. And yeah. so when you yeah. look at it from that context, like a lot of our identity is wrapped up into work. And, and so it is a relationship. Right. And in any relationship, there has to be um, observation and respect for individualized dignity. And I don't see that Jason Fried's actions and Basecamp's actions showed that towards their employees. And I do mm-hmm. believe that's a big part of the reason why they quit. But there was some like, what, what exactly does that mean? And how does it relate to, um, to things like D&I? And, and, yeah. and so, you know, I understand why that might be a question. <laughs> I mean, dignity yeah. is, so on the one hand, I understand it. And on the other hand, I'm like, wait, how do you not, wait, what? So it seems simple to me, but I work in it every day. So, yeah. so I'd like to know, Robin, from your perspective, like when you think about workplace dignity, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I think, um, and specifically in the base camp situation, um, they they obviously didn't give that any thought, and I don't think it's. And I, I like that phrase actually, workplace dignity. I like that better than you know, let's bring your authentic self to work or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's saying we're hearing you if if this is important to you or you feel this is important to uh, the greater community or whatever. So the whole thing with the customer list, which was one of the. Um, you know, internal red flags that was raised by a committee and they kind of wanted to have an internal reckoning. Those were employees, uh, I think, raising their voice to say, this is a matter of dignity to me, either me as an individual or to uh, a group of people that I perhaps affiliate with. And so it was just sort of not recognized as, um, as something that was important to talk about. And I think by putting the, you know, as he continues to call it, the ban on political conversation kind of gets at the same thing because we've, over this past several years, really, equated the term um, politics with things like social justice or equity or equality. You know, we've kind of morphed that word politics to become anything I maybe don't agree with that the other side wants to talk about. And I, so I don't think it's a political discussion. It's a what's important to humans discussion and what's important, what's the kind of company you want to be? And do you want your employees to be able to feel free to raise something that affects them personally? And 
by all indications, you know, from from what's rolled out, they kind of don't want people to raise things that are uncomfortable for other people. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll be the one to say it as, as a middle-aged white person. I'll be the one to say, like, I think there was some, some middle-aged white privilege discomfort that came into some of that. And, and I understand it. Like, yeah. it, it can be real uncomfortable to be confronted with things that, that you don't personally experience and so therefore have a hard time putting into any frame of reference if I'm wanting to be nice to yeah. someone. That's probably how I would say that. But, um, but you know, I, Dwayne talks about how, like, politics has been, like, basically relabeled into this whole thing. I'm not going to say it the way he says it, but yep. basically, it's like, everything that encompasses who you are is, you know, gets labeled and what you care about and what you stand for gets relabeled under, well, that's politics, right? But, right, but that exactly. brings, bring, yeah, and that brings it back to, let's look at dignity again for a minute. That's, I'm going to say a bad word, I'm going to say it's ours, that's bullshit. And and so yeah. and here's why. So, um, you know, when we look at what all of this talks about, you know, we talk about diversity and inclusion and equity. And I think a lot of people talk about this stuff and they have no real idea what it means. What we're talking about is the protection of uh, dignity, inherent dignity, our, our basic actionable affirmation of self, right? And so when you come to work, mm-hmm. what you is to be, once you're hired, is to be accepted for who you are, whether that is your gender, whether that is your values, whether that is your work output, accepted and agreeance are not the same thing. I can accept yeah. Robin, that you and I have different beliefs on things. I'm sure we do. Yeah. I don't have to agree with all of them to respect your right to have them and even to yep. respectfully express them to other people because you are a full-grown adult. And I think where base camp falls short of all of this is they've lost the sight that dignity is still an organizational value. Dignity is still an individual inherent right. And if you can't get that piece right within your um, organizational structure, within your people policies, within your employer brand, then none of the other shiny stuff you share, compensation plans or buyout packages that you offer are really going to matter. And so that's, yeah. that's a big concept. And, and I think that it's time for Basecamp and probably a lot of other companies to take a closer look at that. Mm-hmm. I really feel like I need to put that. <laughs> <laughs> to continue to watch this play out, um, you know, in terms of, because they had what, it was, I, I think the number is still about the same, about a third or so of their staff um, yeah. did did resign, take the, the severance um, uh, to leave. So it will be, it will be, it will be interesting to see what, if anything, um, they adjust as they're, as well, they're uh, rehiring and kind of how they're communicating that. It's Again, there will be people. Like there's a, there's a lot. There is a person for every job. So someone will be fine. There, there is. And, and they're going to have a, a specific type of person applying for those roles. Yeah. But, but, you know, like when I read through his apology, um, 
that he shared this week, like it was like our policies stand, but we have refining and clarifying to do within them. And what I read, just like, <laughs> what I read out of that is like, I'm not really changing anything. I just, I need this to yeah. stop now. <laughs> you know, yeah. Can you, can you just stop? I want the PR cycle to stop. But, um, but yeah, I, I would invite him and anybody that wants to learn more about it. There is a, um, a universal declaration of human rights that yes. yep. came out from the United Nations. It was written in 1948. It is not new. Uh, but yep. what is fairly new is the decolonized design has put out some information about belonging, dignity, and justice that you can look up. And I would recognize, I would recommend heartily that anyone in our profession do so if you want to be able to learn more about what workplace dignity and um, affirmation, actual affirmation look like. So yep. that's my week. That's a, it's been a week, all right, and that's a great resource to, uh, I think, leave our week in rear view, uh, rear view with, because we're down to just about a minute left, so. Yeah, we'll be great. talking with Alex Herr on Tuesday for our next show, so um, I'm Fantastic. very excited about that. Yeah, he's, um, he's in the EB world, he's done a lot of um, technology EB, and I'm looking forward to talking with Alex and our guest next week, so I guess I'll talk to you next Friday, Robin. Sounds good. Goodbye, everybody. Make it a great week, guys.